Welcome to the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs, bringing you from zero to 60 in the non-fungible token world without breaking the bank. With your hosts, Andrew, aka Rantum, and George from Mostly Stable on Zed Run, who will help you navigate new projects, interview expert guests, and explore NFT trends. So whether you're on your first or 50th NFT, we're going to have something for you. And as a quick note, we are not, I repeat, not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Alrighty, disclaimer over, let's get to it. Today on All About Affordable NFTs, we're talking about the idea of valuing the products versus the promises, usually promises in the form of roadmaps. Great things will come when when moon, when game. All right, Andrew, what do we have in the news? Well, sorry, I'm still looking through roadmaps here. I am so excited about these, all of these things to come. <laughs> Man, this is going to buy everything up. <laughs> so many roadmaps. All right, yeah, let's see. In the news, what have we got here? Let's see. Oh, that's right. We've got the PGA Tour. They're getting into business with So Rare in Autograph, the uh, Tom Brady platform, and uh, So Rare, the very popular company behind uh, soccer cards. So I think that we had heard a little bit about this before, about PGA Tour exploring this. Sounds like they are uh, making that leap. So I think we have also talked about in the past how we think sports are often a great gateway for people to get into this and great exposure. So I think that is what we're seeing here. So good to see. Not real big, not a whole lot to discuss there. It's just interesting to see how different sports gravitate toward uh, different different platforms and you know, autograph trying to carve out that, that sports battle. You know, I see uh, some others in there, you know, where we mentioned the, the Gary, the, the, the sports pass, there are, you know, constantly like new layers talking about like, you know, which platform you're going to go with. And there's definitely like, as we talked about in the last one, like layer ones vying for the, Hey, come over here or platforms vying, Hey, come over here. And there's still a lot more sports to be had. I know. Yeah. All right. Oh, this is one, this is interesting. This came about quickly. I think you posted this one. I shared this one with us. You want to laugh? So the latest Ethereum craze. So come in those ENS numbers, right? Dot ETH addresses. I'm embarrassed. I still don't have one. Looked at it, but we talked about like, would it make sense to go buy some ETH addresses? But recently this craze of four digit number Ethereum. So, you know, 8679 or 5555 dot ETH. You realize that when you buy a domain, ENS is also going to be opening up subdomains, which means if you have, you know, board ape eight six seven five, you could get, you know, ape dot that digit number, as well as moonbird dot or whatever the, you know, blue chip, I say in quotes, NFT that you have as a subdomain, right? Because you can then set those up. And so it became this whole branding, branding rush for people buying up all of those digits, which drove up. A hilarious amount of sales the floor price for four digit ENS hovering around 0.5 ETH, but was certainly lower before a bunch of people realized that subdomains exist. Yeah, I think it is, you know, I could see the convenience of if you have one of the, the only 10,000 four digit numbers, you know, it is easier to remember, but you know, there, there often are other names that you can use that are like, maybe not as easy to remember as four digits, but maybe more meaningful, I, you know, like a word. 
And I know there's a lot of talk about computers can always recognize the numbers, no matter what language you're in. I'm not sure, you know, based on my experience with writing code, there's not a lot of worry that letter, you know, not a lot of concern on my part that the that letters are going to stop being recognized anytime soon, or that most code is going to shift away from the English language. That's the way it is done. And I see it kind of trending more and more towards that over time. So not too worried about letters uh, going away in, in, in place of numbers overall. So it is interesting. I think it's kind of a, a trend. There's a, there's so many options out there, you know, as you can see with .coms, we don't see that like 1732.com or it, maybe that is a great one, but I don't think that most numbered four digit numbers are, are really highly valued uh, in .com domains. I go get, I don't even want to say it because someone will scoop it and try to sell it to me. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about any domains I'm thinking about, but I'm going to buy some ENS domain. I'm going to get around to it because it seems like who knows, you know, what, what begins to go next. And yeah, I don't know. I yeah. That is one that. that we've mentioned in the past. It's one to do when gas is low. The price for these is, I think it's 0.05 or something. It's it, the price is very low per year. A uh, 0.01, I think it is for anything over four digits. The, and you can do a few years at once. The, the gas is often uh, the most expensive part. So watch that, that gas, if you are going for any ENS domains. Yeah, for sure. I, I got to say, like, hats off to the, the ENS app because I'm on there right now and it shows you ETH plus gas. Like, it's so transparent. And by the right. way, other Not things could do this Not just in your wallet, too. on, in their app, they actually tell you this. Yeah. It's, a, it's great. It's great. It, it means they're actually even telling you what gas to use and it's an accurate amount. I mean, that's often an issue that the gas isn't even estimated correctly by the contract. This is showing it to you ahead of time, making it very transparent how much you're paying and not telling you at the last minute when you're one click away from, from accidentally hitting yes. Oops, by the way, gas is going to cost you two ETH right now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, hilariously, gas right now as I'm speaking, $6. So like, it, you know, pretty reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, I'm going to go try to guess what. What George's about to buy. Hold on. I just bought it. I bought mostly stable dot ETH. And because gas was so ridiculously low, I was like, mm, I gotta go. So I'm gonna be mostly stable that he knew I was gonna snipe. I, that yeah, one. I, I can't trust you. <laughs> you would do it for the joke and I'd have to respect the heck out of you for doing it. And then I have to pretend like I didn't want it, yet secretly be frustrated. So I know I know the game I'm playing with you. Oh yeah, you'd play like no no no. You why don't you just let that expire? Well, anyway, what do we got here next on our cool news list? We've got, oh, cool cats. Yeah, I think this is kind of funny. Full, full disclosure, I do have a cool cat. I've had it for a long time, but they are now scouting for a new CEO. They're using like a, it seems like they're using a, a very, I don't know what I, a, a, like a exec search kind of firm. It seems very not the way an NFT company should be finding their CEO. I don't know exactly what the right way is. Maybe this will end up working. It just seems, seems so traditional to go that way. And if you can't, it, there's, there's a relatively small number of people that could understand NFTs enough to, to, to bring this prod, to turn this project around. I'm not sure it's someone that is not already in the web three space, but maybe that's what they will end up finding. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. I'm still holding that cat, you know, the prices have come down a bit. They bounced around last I looked. I think they're up five and a half floors. So, so they, that's one. 
that they have, the, the prices really come down after they release their project, uh, the product, I'm sorry. So we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more. There's a reason I, I left that in there, put that in the news here. Yeah, it's interesting. You realize that, you know, these, you know, NFT projects are actually in, in some cases when they have this type of, you know, bankroll behind them, kind of like tech companies, right? As much as we want to pretend that this is like web three, all new, like in some level, this is a tech company. And if the company is performing based on the stock price or the, I guess, floor price, then maybe, you know, you, you have to think about how a CEO can come in and drive value for, for stakeholders, shareholders and holder holders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, if they are tech startups in many ways, you know, and it's a diff, just a different realm of, you know, how they're trying to make it successful. It's not, it's, it's a shift, not completely different, I would say. This next article is hilarious. I think if I had read this title a year ago, I'd be like, what is going on in the world? Finance to help finance point. Elon Musk's 44 billion Twitter acquisition bid. You know, I don't know what to make of it. I, I'll be honest. There are a number of things that concern me about Binance as a network. And I don't know if I would choose it as a backer or a part of trying to turn Twitter into what I think it could be, should be for, you know, connecting the humans. But I don't know. What do you, what do you see in this one, Andrew? Yeah, it's an interesting group. It looks like this was... I don't know how exactly this came out, but it looks like it's Sequoia Capital, Fidelity, Binance, some others involved. Let's see. Oh, Anderson Horowitz has got 400 million. Binance with 500 million. Sequoia was 800 million. So they had to bring a lot of money together here to get this, to get this deal done. And there was a lot of talk about how that was going to happen. And Binance, you know, Binance has come in. Uh, to other projects or to other, other deals with a lot of money sort of out of nowhere. It's not always, I would say it's not often everybody's first choice, but they do have deep pockets and it's probably better than some of the alternatives, especially as people be, are, are more aware of, of where that money, of, of where some people's money's coming from. There are definitely various, see, I don't know, investment firms that, you know, I don't think would be suitable for this in any way. I'm not sure if Binance is. Am I correct in saying that they already own Forbes or they own a significant chunk of Forbes? I think that's right. Yeah. I don't know what, what percent of it, but, you know, getting back to like why we care about Twitter on a NFT podcast at a high level is the obvious integrations that they're already doing for verified profile picks. It is the use case of profile picks in the web two, web three layer bridge. And so, you know, paying attention to how, I guess, NFT friendly investors might be is, is of note. And you know, things like Dogecoin pumped as a result for a small period of time and questions of how Twitter is going to make that migration towards it is why. You know, when, when Elon Musk changes his Twitter profile to a 40, just to like make a joke and then come back, you know, prices skyrocket, speculation goes wild. And now even more so, I think his, his power to like make a joke, manipulate a market and maybe drive you nuts or thrilled, depending on what side of the trade you're on is only going to increase. And so I think we're going to be talking a lot more Twitter when it comes to NF. Yeah. And you know, to be, to, I think it's still the number one communication platform for, for, for NFT collectors at this point, you know, none of these messaging platforms that I've seen have gained any real traction. Uh, so yeah. I Discord think it's aside, which is way. a uniquely different so, type of game. Yeah. Right? 
right yeah the publicly facing one i would guess it's yeah yeah, it's more private discords even if they are publicly available nobody's just stumbling onto them you gotta it's an act it is it is active management dealing with discord (laughs) when are we going to get a better nft friendly discord like there's enough money for it like that's a good question right yeah how do we yeah, I mean, that is some of the stuff that I hope that, you know, we start seeing built because it is, it's really overwhelming to to deal with this court. It's not really meant for this. I don't think that anyone should should be in dozens and dozens of discords and have that be as the only way that you can keep up to date with, with these projects. You know, either that or I guess hope that they post it on Twitter and you're able to find it there. I mean, it's it's really difficult. You know, most of them do not have... Well, there's not really a, a open communication protocol for Web3. I mean, a prediction. For <laughs> one year from today, there's going to be a very strong NFT first Discord that competitor. There has to be. Yeah, Every time I click to authenticate my wallet from a third party app and then bounce back in, I'm like, if you don't think this is a massive security hole, you don't understand how the internet works. Holy cow. I always get nervous. Every time I do it, and I'm like, I double check the URL. I'm like, when you I'm clicking go this from, button from Discord to another app, to then verify with your MetaMask extension on your browser. But yes, oh, wait, there's wait, no security the holes here. I don't see any flaws with this. Airtight. <laughs> that's uh, end-to-end oh, encryption, boy. except the no, no, that's the opposite of end-to-end encryption. Yeah, there's a couple issues with that. I feel. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, still some problems there. Again, see your episode about running around the internet with a hot wallet. Just be careful. Last thing I want to mention here a couple of airdrops. The let's see, BenDAO is an NFT liquidity platform. So it has they have an airdrop right now for people that have been active on OpenSea. Then I don't know. There are a few different ways that you could qualify there. So worth going on and checking that's bendDAO.xyz. you will have that in the uh, show notes and also hop exchange that's a, a exchange and bridge protocol they uh, just also announced an airdrop so if you have used that one at all it's worth checking there so these are things that we mentioned we've mentioned in the past just some things to keep an eye on see i think we're going to see a lot more airdrops coming so if you haven't uh, taken a look at some of the the various lists of airdrops, potential airdrops coming. I think we've got that in the notes somewhere, but worth revisiting and and trying to to qualify for some upcoming airdrops too. I think it, I don't know, it seems like these, these seem to come in batches and it seems like airdrop season is here. Yeah, cool. It seems like there's a limited amount of projects that they're airdropping for, like Yuga specific, but you're saying other ones will show up. So there were... So you've got to go to the, yeah, well, there's a, there's a flash claim right this, sorry, a flash claim right now for Yuga. Then they have the bend airdrop, which rewards both for what you hold, which is some top tier projects like, like board apes, and then also for OpenSea activity. And I, it was during Ooh, some time period. I just claimed so 675 made... bend. I'm rich. I'm all right. All like? right. I don't know what bend is going for, but you know, it's. <laughs> If they promised the money on the gas, they, they promised huge amounts in the future, then or huge uh, rewards in the future. Well, I can stake it and earn two hundred percent on something I don't know the value of. I'm in it. Hey, he may as well, right? I think so. 
All right. All right. Well, that's all our, our news. I think we've got a project. Uh, what do you have for us, George? We do. I got to shout out this one to the, what is it? The JPEGs? No, I, how am I blanking on it? The price, overpriced, JPEG, overpriced JPEGs podcast, where I heard about this one, the Hug Pass, and the founder, Randy Zuckerberg. You'll recognize the last name as in sister of Mark Zuckerberg. And this project is the, the Hug Pass collection, which is a community focused on finding and supporting female-led NFT projects. They have an incubator. They've got, you know, sort of active discord and a promise of this community to grow over time to be a, a friendly, welcoming place for the sort of the next, the next holders, people getting interested in NFTs. It is, a, you know, kind of cartoon style, I'll say, but this is part of that sort of membership utility. We, we keep coming back to these pieces where we see membership utility being a safer place to bet. The The current floor of these, I believe, is sitting around 0 0.08, so certainly affordable, I would say. They're doing a phased launch. I think there's going to be 15,000 in total. They've launched the first, you know, I believe it's 5,000, right? 6,000, sorry, 6,000 right now. And then, yeah, there's going to be 15,000 total. So there's going to be more phases of this. They're offering sort of, you know, the common things you'd expect of future perks that'll be there. I'll come back to the founder though, Randy Zuckerberg. Who, you know, she spent 10 years at Facebook. She knows her stuff. She's like certainly on the artistic front, you know, done things as a musician. She's been on uh, Broadway and producing. She's run groups and teams. She's like, kind of been bitten by the NFT bug, it seems. And I'll, she tends to do things at, at a high proficiency. So, you know, that's kind of like, you know, why this membership versus another one. And I've already explained in a previous episode about my, my investment bias probably toward uh, female-led projects. As you look at, you know, who the next million people joining uh, NFT communities are going to be and, and purchasing. So, you know, I think there's uh, going to be good alpha on if you're if you're in that community, the the next most successful female artists leading NFT projects. Cool. Yeah, I haven't I've not looked into this one too much yet. I know you mentioned it in Discord, so I've been uh, meaning to check it out. I'm gonna have to go look into this a little bit more. Yeah, some something to look at, but I, I like this one. Uh, full disclosure, I don't have one. I am watching the watching it, and pretty soon I'll be able to announce that my my new ETH address works. Just in case you want to send me a tip at any point, because it won't be alphanumeric. I'm gonna get a real ENS address. <laughs> there you go. All right. Alrighty. Okay, so that's the project. Next up, our theme. Yeah, uh, let's get into it. Yeah, or should we just promise that it's going to come later and keep everybody? We're going to get to it. We're going <laughs> to. So we have this full roadmap, and so how do we value a product versus a promise? What are the difference between those things and defining them? And just at a high level, roadmaps are paved in promises. Things we will do, develop, come up with in the future. And that is essentially what drives a lot of price speculation. Now, this is not unique to NFTs. Anytime you look at the price to earnings ratio of a stock you are about to buy, that is what people are doing. <laughs> They're betting on the multiple of how much they think in the future this thing is going to be valued at. There's something different, though, I feel like with NFTs where, you know, the, there's the actual product, what I get today. You know, is it the value of 
the art, the access, the gameplay, the community, right? Because you obviously need a new Discord channel, like, you know, an extra hole in the head. But that is kind of how I see this. How do you look at the idea of valuing the product versus the promise? Yeah, well, I think it's 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 tough to necessarily value right now. I mean, I think right now we're seeing that promises are are valued much higher than the actual product. It's 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 almost like being a pre-revenue company in the more of the, the dot-com or the web two sort of landscape in that, you know, if you don't actually, if you can just say that it, that you've got this huge addressable market and that it will be big once you are trying to actually get revenue, that's a lot easier than actually trying to get the revenue and not being able to get it. It's a lot easier to draw that line. And it seems like that's sort of what we're doing as, you know, as collectors right now is that we're saying like, whoa, they've, they're talking about building a metaverse. Let's, you know, let's buy this up to, to eight and now it's here. Eh, okay. Let's get sell down to three ETH. And, you know, an example of this recently, and it's honestly a metaverse, but cool cats, it's you know, mentioned this earlier is they, they had a, they've got a game out. It's, it's not even their full game. It's, it's actually just the sort of reveal for the cool pets, but it took them a while to get out and they wanted to make sure it was done right. And, and you know, maybe that was you know, maybe that was part of it, but it, it was somewhat slow in the release. It is there. It's usable. I have checked it out. It's, it's got great graphics. It works well. And the, the price continues to slide, especially for those cool pets. I've seen the, I think the price is now under, well under one ETH. And, you know, that was something that was up at over one and a half for, for some considerable amount of time ahead of the game release. Once it's here, the price has dropped. And, you know, there is something right now to people thinking that these promises are going to be much bigger than they are. And then when they see what is actually developed with the product, it's a little bit of a letdown, I think. And, you know, it also stops people from saying, well, that next thing is going to be what, what really provides the catalyst for the price to move here. So important to see that because I think, I mean, both of us, I would say maybe I will say from the eye perspective here. I, when I currently, you know, look back at where I was like last year as a collector, I overvalued future developments. I thought that, you know, that, that new innovation, that new game would just be the thing that completely shifted the, the value proposition as opposed to the reality, which, you know, oftentimes they have to build up expectation in marketing. It's their job. They need to drive this hype. And in earnest, like that's actually a really bad way to try to build uh, a game or a, a tech or product feature. The ideal way is to find a small group of customers, build it slowly, manage expectation and develop over time. You know, the idea that you're building in public works for some things, but in other cases, it, it creates this of production saying like, all right, this next one is going to be the product that changes everything. And it's all on this next launch. Trust us, save to this date. And, you know, the existing market, I think, is getting a bit wiser. And I think some of the reason maybe that we have some winners winning extremely right now and some long tail there is that that ability of a smaller project to say, no, 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 we have this, this next development coming. And that's what our valuation is based on. People are beginning to realize that like, even when it shows up, like how good is this game possibly going to be? How will that actually help the, the value of the product? Right. Cause that's what we're talking about. 
the value of the product and how will that increase? Because the thing doesn't generate revenue the same way if I'm going back to the PE ratio of a company does saying like, oh, we're going to add this new feature, which by the way, generates revenue. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, if you're talking about internal tokens and pieces, but it's becoming to me more important to value the bird in hand, the product. And, you know, we, we keep bringing these, um, these projects that have the community value of saying, all right, here's like the membership, which ironically your, your value, <laughs> this is more stuff being dropped to your opportunity in the whitelist of new projects. But there's, you know, that's, that's something I can, I can count on, you know, that is a bit more. And then prior to that, you know, we were looking at the, the product versus promise, the product of access to certain things like WGMI, uh, WAGME, right? WGM.io, which is able to track our portfolios. And we're like, all right, cool. There's a use. I get the product right now. While they may promise things like I can use it right now. So would you say you're, you're beginning to have a bit more of the, the bias for the product or are you just trying to get savvier on the, the roadmap paid to promise? I don't know that I have a bias towards the product. I mean, things that are, they're good and being used, I guess, you know, there is a, maybe I'm looking at those in a different light now and, you know, I'm hoping that there is some buy low opportunities because it doesn't seem like the market is currently valuing those. I mean, it's maybe it's, you know, we're, we're valuing growth more than we're, we're valuing the, the that's where we're, we're thinning, I guess we're valuing ex expected growth and there are tools, like you said, that are being used There are prod, uh, products that are coming out of these. And right now that isn't, I don't know, it's not good for the price, but maybe those are worth looking at in a different light and saying, you know, I think that this is going to change at some point and people are going to realize that, that those promises are somewhat empty, not leading anywhere. And that some of these other projects are actually developing things that are in use and, and don't look like they're just going to go away because the price drops um, in other collections. Yeah, maybe another way to say I'm I'm becoming I'm becoming more skeptical of roadmap promises that are essentially walled gardens. We're going to build an insular little world where these things can operate and finally you can, you know, go on to this, you know, very basic gameplay and watch your thing tumble around. Like, okay, like just be honest. Like look at your current uses of the internet, of games. Like what kind of games do you actually play right now? And how does that really map to something that's like, all right, here's like an adventure game where you can like wander around. Like, do I, would I do that? Would others do that? Would the people holding this and valuing this do that? Or are you just creating something that's, that's sort of out there? So I get nervous with the walled garden and, you know, public companies being like, you know, we're going to build our metaverse and everyone's going to come here as opposed to elsewhere. I'm more attracted to the way that they're integrating with other projects, the way that they're opening up and delivering value, you know, in, in ways that can connect to, to other players in other ways. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it, you know, in, in general, things that are looking to build more and not necessarily say like, come here and this will be the end of, I don't know, this will kind of be the destination. That's, I don't know, that that's expecting a lot of your project and of people to, to, to react in that way. I think what we're seeing is most of, or the most successful things are really bringing together projects that are, they're bringing people and projects together in different ways and not necessarily, this is going to be the, the end ecosystem. Although I guess the, 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 the ape ecosystem is, is the, the big 
counter example to that. And it's hard to argue with their success so far. We'll see, you know, like I, I think, you know, we're a year into the adventure and it's, it's grown very quickly and a lot of the sort of, you know, success of overall NFTs in some narratives are like, all right, it's hanging on you though, the largest player to like get, get this right. But, you know, we have a, a towering roadmap of promises of things that, that will be built, but there is the inherent product, which is almost like this cultural symbol of, you know, access, elite taste type of, you know, brand, you're like you're buying a Gucci bag. Like, what did you actually buy? You bought a bag with a Gucci logo on it. And sometimes that it, it is able to, you know, polish and promote this brand in such a way that like the sheer fact of holding and owning it is, is the, is the narrative. And I think NFTs have, have probably done the best on that idea of product value, the brand, the social proofing and showcasing of, Hey, look, you know, I was smart and bought this thing at this time, but there's a, there's a lot more to be developed. And then, you know, inside the game world, I have more and more experience playing and watching NFT games go through life cycles and it's brutal, right? The current question in the, the pegaxi world, it's like that, the, the price of this, if you want to, if you want a funny joke, like take a look at that, that price, it's like well below one cent now. And the hope is that there is in their roadmap, which is, you know, fully, fully mapped that there's a, there's a killer feature coming that will like turn things around. I'm rooting for it. You know, I'm still on the platform, but you know, it becomes, it becomes hard to say like, all right, if your core fundamentals right now aren't necessarily working, like will a killer feature necessarily fix that? Maybe I actually have a question for you. Have you ever seen a project that was, had launched, right? Maybe had a good launch, then went through that lull, right? That, that post-launch lull, like the, the price tapered down, kind of hovered and then launched a new game feature drop or something that then brought it to the next level besides I'll say board apes, right? Because the mutant apes and everything, the syrup, like serum, everything they did just sort of worked as an extra drop. Have you seen another project where Oh, you know, the, the roadmap delivered and suddenly the price responded and like, oh my gosh, this is the thing. So as you started saying that one example that's come, that comes to mind is the DGENs project recently uh, that we've talked about a couple of times recently, and they have a discord and they say, I don't know, they, they give out what, I don't know exactly what you call it, but about five different NFT reports each week. That was one that was down, I understand, at like 8.05 or even under four at one point. They relaunched with this idea of of providing value to the members in the way of, you know, making it an alpha group and getting uh, information about different projects. Last I looked, the floor is back up over 0.7 when they have plans to launch a uh, a new 10K PFP from that. So that, you know, it's a much different scale, obviously, than Bored Apes. It's still a, a big turnaround from 0.05 to 0.7-ish. And that is one where they actually launched with, I don't know how the, sorry, I should say, I don't know what the plan was when they launched. I know when they relaunched, they actually had this roadmap of, of trying to make it into an alpha group. And it seems like it is succeeding there. I can't think of, of a larger project that has been able to sort of revive itself or turn things around with the launch of a, of a, of a game or a project like that. You know, most of these, I would say have, I mean, we've seen a lot of projects that have released more 
you know, released a new collection or a new game and a token drop a governance token, a, you know, like an extra piece. But that's, uh, yeah, I, let's see. I mean, so cool cats, you know, that's, they've released things that they, you know, they've had this in the roadmap and it really hasn't worked out. So then we've got something like, uh, Azuki, they released Azuki with their beans. That seems like it wasn't, I don't know. I know they just had the reveal for those beans today. I don't know what the reaction is both in price or what people are saying, but I know people were disappointed with the, the beans initially. And it seems like this one where, you know, they, people are much more excited about what is to come in the future than, than what is actually here. So that's, that has not worked yeah, out World there of Women either. had a similar launch where they had a new drop and like, yeah, were underwhelmed the prices, maybe art box. Like, is that a comparable, but that's more of like a, these like networks where there's like, here's our ecosystem. People and artists are going to launch like, yeah, I don't know that I would say that that's a, I don't know. I'm not sure that I. Uh, I can think of many like that, you know, it is tough. And, you know, that's, I think it's something to keep in mind is, you know, how, how maybe fickle collectors are and they will move on to the next thing if it doesn't work. And I don't know that they're often coming back because they're to that project to give it much of a chance of success. You know, right now you've got to either get it right away, you know, get success right away, or, or it's going to be a tough, tough battle. An important note that it, you know, we had to struggle so much to look at it and you know, the exception is, uh, exception is not the rule. So if you are sort of waiting or betting on like a project with, you know, the, the killer feature, the killer roadmap promise, you know, just look back as to like, when in the past has this worked for a project to, to revive it. And I think at this point of like, I've, I've watched enough roadmaps kind of go through and I've watched the price response and the price response is always heavier on the expectation than on the executed delivery. Not to say can't happen, but gambler wise, hmm, interesting. Yeah, agreed. I, I'd say that most, most of these, uh, most of the time, it'd be better to sell the sell the news or even sell the rumor than than hold through it. Unfortunately. All right, interesting discussion. Thanks for sharing that. See you out there. This has been an episode of the Triple A NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs. The episode notes and resources may be found at 3ANFT.com in our show notes. Again, 3ANFT.com. And that reminder, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. Remember, we are not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something.